Do you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff out their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Hey guys, I hope you're all very much refreshed from the bye week that no one wants. But what everyone wants is the footy on a big screen in front of a fireplace with a good feed, a nice cold glass of something and a bunch of maids to banter with. And you can get all of those things down at the Yorkshire Hotel. It's on the corner of Langley Street and Punt Road in Abbotsford. And it is your one-stop footy shop for Funnels Fever the next four weeks. The best time of year, the sun's out. The temperature is rising and the uh, evenings are getting uh, longer and longer and more enjoyable. And one man who enjoyed his bye week very much is the big bustling Baz. How are you feeling, mate? So, I don't know if I really enjoyed it Sunday, Monday. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a good weekend for most parts. <laughs> and uh, you say the sun's out, but we're about to get more rain on Friday. So, oh, but, that, but, it, but it is definitely springtime. Definitely, definitely springtime. And rain just makes it... A little bit trickier for those tips. Which is what you want. You want a challenge? It's finals for the players. It's finals for the clubs. It's finals yeah. for the tips as well. That's where we come into our ilk and get to say, I told you so. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my Before we do that, is there anything on that chest of yours you need to get off on the blower? Other than probably... A bit of a, an infection after a big weekend. <laughs> um, no, no, not really. I think, yeah, it's the same as last week. Just get into the footy so we can stop listening to about trade news and, you know, Tim Kelly wanting to go back home and stuff like that. Just, uh, yeah, get on with the footy, I think. Yeah, and that we shall. Let's go to Coach's Corner then. And uh, as you know, you're a, you're a funnels expert. You're a funnels specialist, as you like to tell us. <laughs> and uh, I want to know, what do you do to deal with the pre-finals buy? So you've copped it in the ammos and then the 19s, unwantingly. Yep. Obviously, we have it still in the AFL, even though no one wants it. Yep. What do you do with the fourth night? Because, yeah, what do you, you've no game to prepare for. Well, we, we trained uh, an extra session. So we did a Friday night uh, training session and had a bit of a team dinner. Um, get together on, on Friday night. And then uh, all the boys went their own way for the weekend and did what they wanted to do. They wanted to go to the races on Saturday. That's why we didn't train Saturday morning. And we had a club function Saturday night, which is a pretty good um, night by all accounts. Um, so, yeah, the, the boys just had a weekend off. Well, it's a bit different AFL. I know the Collingwood and a few other teams uh, gave players the weekend off. So mm-hmm. they were able to go do their own things and I had to report back to the club on Monday. So I, 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 you know, we did pretty much the same thing. as we're not um, AFL footballers and have to travel into state or go anywhere fancy. But, yeah, was, we gave the boys the weekend off and we're back at training again last night. Um we had a quick chat about the weekend looks like and we our fixture and everything like that and the boys did a quick circuit at the gym and then we will train Wednesday, Thursday. So yeah, um, nothing really changes I reckon with buys. You know, you still have to have a kick and get some touch and gives you a chance to get players 100 percent I suppose. But um, you know, we picked up a few niggles and injuries throughout the year and just gave us an extra week off. But yeah, there's nothing really. I don't think you do any different whether it's an in-season buy or, or finals. I mean apart from probably take preparation a bit more seriously. Yeah, so on that, 
are funnels themselves that different then? Like, are you, is, does it, is there a, obviously I think the atmosphere is different. Everyone wants to play funnels. It's exciting. Yeah. It's probably more exciting than, you know, playing the bottom players team on the ladder in the middle of winter. Yeah. But is the actual game any different or should you actually commit to the cliche of it's just another week? No, it's definitely different. Like, it, there's a lot more on it. So there's pressure and the atmosphere is a bit different. Everything goes up another notch. And I mean, I know it's only Amos footy, but it definitely, you know, it definitely goes up. Like, it's another, you know, and there's lots more support watching the game. So there's a lot more heckling and that sort of stuff. So it definitely goes up. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you, you hear the AFL players saying it, it definitely goes up another notch as well. So, yeah, look, uh, you, you kind of prepare for yourself. Uh, a bit not not differently but you kind of like just want to get across to the players that the basics are keen and you know, here's Scott Brennan we talked about it again last night about the ba- doing the basics for longer which is really uh, good for me to hear because that's something I've been pumming on about the last two weeks and then even um, Hodgie saying that you don't need to, don't need heroes in finals you need just tw- uh, 22 blokes doing their job so it's another good thing that he said and I heard Ruzi before say that um, you know Back when he was coaching Sydney, they took um, stats on fumbles. And if they had 13 or less fumbles in a game, they won 80% of the time. And he was talking about how you get caught out of position if a player fumbles. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, again, Scotty Pendlebury was talking about last night on, I think it was 360, he was saying, you know, being clean, less fumbly. I suppose that goes back to players being relaxed before going into a final, not too... Too, uh, too stressed, too hyped, too Too amped, yeah, you've got to find that good balance. So I suppose you also want them to enjoy the moment, enjoy the time they're out there and just keep it simple. So that's probably been the main message over the last two weeks. Not really worried about the opposition, not from because I don't respect them or anything, or we don't respect them if you're playing high or whatever. It's generally mm. you worry about what you can control and what you can control is yourself and how you prepare and... You, know, you might look at one or two opposition players, but if you worry about yourself more, I think you're on the right path. And that's probably my final question there is, I think, especially in the MO setting, it makes more sense to focus on yourselves. But obviously at the AFL setting, when they have all these kind of resource, you know, assistant coaches, analysts, data specialists, all that kind of stuff, how much is it preparing for the other team? Because you, you know now, you've usually had a sample size of two, or these teams have played each other twice now. How much do you prepare for what you're going to go up against and how much do you just go, you know what, we're in the finals for a reason because we play our brand of footy, let's just commit to that. If we play our brand of footy better than they play their brand of footy, we'll win the game. You still worry about, like, you still think about, oh, this is how they want to play, so we want to stop them from doing that. But we're going to play our brand and that will then stop them from doing that. I think that'll still be the same sort of thing in AFL footy. Like Colin would know that, you know, John wants to slow the ball movement down. They want you to you know, big long kicks into the fall line. They want all those sorts of things where they're probably going to have, you know, supremacy in the air. As Colin will want to move the ball quickly, use the hit-ups a lot and mm. hopefully score like that with their dynamic forward line. And, you know, it'll be the same with the Western Bulldogs and GWS. GWS will be looking at the doggies' back line and going, all right, we've got them under the pump here air-wise air and, you know, we'll probably match up pretty good with them through the middle. If we can win that battle, we'll be fine. But if we don't, then we've got to look at ways of stopping them because they're so good offensively. Uh, you know, Brisbane again. Brisbane don't want to be caught like they did last when they played. Richmond don't want to be caught dumping it in. They probably want to make it a scrap a lot more ball, ground ball stuff. And the only other ones, West Coast, uh, Essendon. You've seen, you know, if <laughs> when West Coast played them last time, they took away that inside kick. They took away that run up half back, and Essendon had no answer for it. So 
can see how teams do prepare, but they also back their own style as well. Monday's experts always know what's best, always tell you what you should have done. Monday's experts always know what's cooking, how the game was lost and how it could have been won. That's all of the finals chat done. Let's crack in to the previews. And uh, to start off, we'll go a little recap of the punting scriptures here. And just to give you our final ratings of the teams as they come into the finals after the home away season of the eight remaining teams. We have one untouchable, in my opinion, that's still Essendon. You can't trust them. They might jag a win. They could. They could end the drought this week. But you still wouldn't be feel safe about putting money on it. In the bubble are the Western Bulldogs. We are unsure as to how the buy might have affected their momentum. Myth busted at the moment for mine are the Giants and the Cats. They aren't as good as what they think they are, what their fans think they are, what some of the media thinks they are. Under review, Collingwood, Brisbane and West Coast have all had pretty patchy form uh, either for a couple of weeks prior to the runs of the funnels or in the last couple of fortnights. And the bank makers of mine are still Richmond, but we all know that the biggest football cliche is funnels are a different game and that anything can happen. So let's get to it. Thursday, 8-10, West Coast are twenty-one favourites. Essendon, $4.25 outsiders at Optus Stadium. The line here, 28.5. The over-under is 158. And, like, for mine, West Coast uh, very much should be favourites in this because well, they should have finished in the top four. They blew it. They, they bloody blow. blew it. They did blew it. And, uh, and, and Essendon have, have essentially Stephen Bradmead their way into the top eight. So you've got a team that shouldn't have finished fifth versus a team that shouldn't have made the eight. This is this could get very ugly, in my opinion. It could, but West Coast haven't been that great the last few weeks. Like heading no. into the finals, they've dropped you know dropped a couple of games, especially the Hawthorne, which they probably would, wouldn't have been expecting. Um, Shannon Hearn apparently might be missing. You know, I mean it's Tuesday afternoon, so we've got no idea on teams yet. Won't know probably much more until tomorrow. But you think. And, you know, obviously there's been rumours about Josh Kennedy as well, how he's travelling, you know, his form hasn't been that great and now there's rumours of an injury as well, but I think that got squashed last night. But yeah, I look back at Essendon now and, and see like their last two games, so against Fremantle, which they had a win, yeah, they they beat Fremantle, they beat them pretty comfortably. They lost clearances, they um lost all disposal counts, they lost uh stoppages, they lost inside fifties. It was contested possession. The only thing they won in the the whole night was the uh, the tackle count. They still managed to win by thirty six points. And then they, again against Collingwood, they lost all the disposal stats, lost the clearances, uh, lost inside fifties by nearly twenty, lost contested ball. Again, the only thing they won was was the tackle count. And you look at all those key parameters as well about where they're scoring from, all those sorts of things that are coming out on all the footy shows in the last two or three nights that you've been watching. There is just no way you can you can see them coming back and and beating the Eagles. Apart from a miracle, the Eagles should absolutely should absolutely do a number here on Nick Nat's back. So yeah. the, the the ruck, you know, he might only play sixty percent ruck time, but it'd be interesting to see who they ruck with him, whether Hickey gets in as well. Yep. But I just can't see how the Eagles can can not lose, win this by more than six or seven goals because I just think they're. They'll be smart enough for losing that last round. They would probably have to had two weeks of fixing the things they needed to fix. Everyone will be fit and one hundred percent ready to go. And obviously, Nick Nat's the X factor that comes into that. As Essendon, yeah, they're getting all these players back after wrestling them in round twenty three. But you know, their, their form hasn't been great even with those players in. And 
they've still got a Michael Hurley might not play so mm. that's a big out for them with you know especially with West Coast Tall's you know, you've got Waterman, Allen, um, Kennedy and Darling, all pretty tall. And then you've got the, the smalls around there, you know, um, Ryan and, and Rioli and stuff like that, who Crips, you know, they're pretty dangerous. It's a pretty dangerous mix. It's a very dangerous mix in the forward line. And basically that's summed up by the fact that they are still, over the course of the whole season, they're the most effective inside 50 team. They score from one quarter of their inside 50s. And the Bombers can see the second most scores from defensive inside 50s so like they just as much as they got away with it against some teams that were you know there or thereabouts in terms of Collingwood they're not going to get away with it with a team that's at, at home proven to be other than the blip against Hawthorne proven to be very hard to beat at home they're 8-3 and three this year the Eagles and they're 8-4 and four at night as well look at that for Essen away they're 5-6 and six away and they're 6-5 and five at night so I think yeah this is not going to this is not the location doesn't suit, the time doesn't suit Essendon, the uh, matchup doesn't suit Essendon. And also, if they just turn the ball over, as you said, like if, if, if it's all about basics, it's all about being, you know, being cleaner for longer, Essendon is the sloppiest team in terms of disposal rates. They only average eight disposals per turnover in their defensive half. So there's a huge chance they'll be giving the ball up to the Eagles yep. in their forward 50. They will score. Eagles will do a number. It should be a pretty easy win to start off the weekend. Yeah, you, you, we saw. I saw a vision the other. Uh, I think it was last night about how West Coast stopped Essendon from playing that quick off half back transition game, taking on through the middle. And you know, if you take out Saad, McKenna, McGrath, and then just try and you know limit um, Tip and Woody and and uh, Stringer, then they're pretty pretty dour. I think they're not mm. haven't got a lot of great kickers through the midfield. Uh, haven't got a lot of speed through midfield. All their speed comes off half-back or McGrath on a wing. And up four, they're pretty much relying on, on Stringer and Tipper. So we haven't seen much of uh, Fantasia play well this year. Obviously, they had injuries. And you know, they're going to be relying heavily on McKernan and Bell Chambers and and, uh, and Brown to be doing well as their tours. And you just look across, you know, man v. man, West Coast have a better better team. And you, you think if they rock up and, and play to their full potential, which they want to because... You know, like I said, they've cost themselves a home final in the top four and a double chance. Mm. And they want to go back to back. So, I was, yeah, I can't see any way possible that... S- I'm, I'm seriously... Should, West Coast should win by 40-plus. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads us into our bets as well. Obviously, the tip there is West Coast. If you get it already, the cover for mine could be immoral, 28.5. And West Coast, 40-plus, is paying $2.50. So, an interesting angle here for a, a props bet for a player one if you're... You know, limited, limited games this week, so you probably want a bit more action for per game. Uh, Dom Sheed has recorded 30-plus disposals in three of West Coast's last four matches following a loss. So you can get him 30-plus for $2.63. Roll it into West Coast to win head-to-head, you get, you know, about 4 bucks. So you can find some value there for West Coast, all ways and shapes, but that's the obvious tip and probably the lock of the week. Definitely the one I reckon everyone's gone, yep, West Coast tick. Yeah. If, if, if Essendon somehow pull off a miracle win for the first time in 15 years, whatever he's on, on Thursday yeah. night, then uh, football will be thrown into chaos this weekend. All right, talking of chaos, your lounge room could be chaos with this one. Friday at 7.50pm, Geelong are $1.72 favourites versus Collingwood, $2.10 outsiders at the MCG. Line, four and a half, the over-under, one fifty and a half. and a half. Baz, do you think that this line is fair? Would you have said, obviously, top top of the table, 
minor premiers, so obviously Geelong gets the nod as favourites, but are they really favourites? Well, in the media they seem to be. Um, I'm, I'm a bit more boyish about where Collingwood are going into this game. If it was against one of the other top four teams, I'd probably write us off. Uh, and say we'll cop it and probably be out straight test. But I reckon we've got a pretty favourable draw here. And it's Scott Penelope's 300. It's well done. He's probably you know one of the best players ever to go through Collingwood's doors. i got one, one further than that. He's the best player to never win a Brownlow. Yeah, he hasn't won one yet, has he? Well, best player to never win a Brownlow. And he probably won't win one um, because he's getting on a bit and he plays different roles. Jordan Goey comes back in, still side bottom. Stephenson, maybe Aish. Uh, you know, Darcy Moore should keep his spot, apparently. There's going to be some tough selections for Collingwood, which is probably a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I'll go back to round one, and we yeah, we lost. It was a dour, boring sort of game. But No, it was yuck. It was disgusting. It wasn't... It was, if, if you had told me that those two teams would be top four at the end of the year, everyone would have laughed at you, because that was a terrible game of footy. But Classic we, pre-season game. But we, we still had plenty of opportunities to, to come back and win that game. Yeah. We just wasted them. I think if we can get our ball movement going, and we can actually use our hit-ups and actually keep the ball on the deck... Especially if it's meant to be a wet day like it is, it's meant to be you know, meant to get five to ten mil rain. We should have too much power up forward if we can get enough supply and be able to score enough to kick a winning score. Now both teams are ranked one and two in the AFL for the in defence, mm-hmm. you know, scores against. So it could be a bit of a dour one as well in the wet, and it could be you know. I, I, both Buckley and, and Scott last night were very coy on the whole defence thing. So it'll be interesting to see if Buckley actually goes, hang on a minute, we're going to try and win this and have a red-hot crack, and or whether both teams will be stuck with being down defensive and then it could come down to a kick at the end of the game in the wet. But hopefully we're a bit better and tougher when it needs to be. Although, you know, you worry about danger and Selwood and those sorts of blokes getting off the well, chain. When it comes of... to toughness, I think Geelong will probably have you covered. So last month, leading into the into the finals, Cats have won the clearance count by 11 per game. They did have some easy easy teams in there, obviously. Uh, they've had possession for 44% of the game time, which is the highest in the AFL. And they are the highest, uh, second highest pressure team behind Richmond, uh, averaging 3% more pressure acts than any other team in uh, the AFL other than Richmond. And so I think if it actually rains, I reckon it actually favours them. It favours their their contested only ball. They do rely heavily on clearance scorages and um, second phase contested ball. Yep. And so I think you, you, Coleman at its best, and we saw that last year, and you're a slightly different team to last year, but you're that clean, sleek, like fast-moving, take the game on, score heavily in patches. Yep. And we know that we've saw this early in the year that your, your best quarters are, are game-winning quarters. Yep. And so I'd be hoping for that if I was a Collingwood fan, as opposed to you know a dower. Let's keep it in the in the uh, clinches. Let's try and yeah, like dog it out for four quarters. I think that lets Geelong in the game, and we know that it's been the case basically for Chris Scott's career there at Geelong that sixty six the magic number. So you want to make sure that it's a you know a ninety seventy game as opposed to a sixty sixty kick at the last minute game. I just really hope that it's wet and we turn up and play a style of game like Richmond where it's a surge mentality heaps of funnel pressure put it under the pump and have our blokes where we need to have them and just just capitalise because you see how good Richmond are in the wet if we can some and you know we, we based some of our game last year especially going in the finals on Richmond if we can sort of have that sort of impact again I reckon we could yeah we can still get the job done I'm, yeah. I'm I said I'm pretty confident, which means I'll probably be let down and shattered come Saturday morning or Friday late afternoon or night, sorry, 
and Sam's already you know found a, somewhere to go on Saturday night, on Friday night, so she's not home when I'm watching the game. It's probably smart by her. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah, I'm I'm backing us in to get the job done. I'm backing the goey and those sorts of blokes to come in and, and have an impact. I reckon Stephenson, you know, he, he's going to want to have a big impact. Grundy will dominate the ruck. He, he'll be smarting after he got dominated uh, early in the year by Reece Stanley in round one. He got outdone, and I just think that we've got enough enough talent around the footy and in all positions. Our backline is a bit weak. A lot of our backline would never have played an AFL final. So that's something that could uh, come back and bite us. But, you know, Gary Rowan has never really sh- stood out in any finals. He goes missing a bit. You're not scared of all Australian Tom Hawkins? Tom Hawkins, I'm not scared of him because he's been a bit down the second half of the year and it will depend on the supply he gets. And I'm hoping that if up forward, we, you know, the, our players up the ground can put on enough pressure, he won't get the decent supply. Uh, multiple Brownlow medalist, multiple uh, premiership, Norm Smith, Gary Ablett. In the I'm, a bit, I'm a bit worried about him, but I, I'm hoping Maynard can just bump him around a bit and he'll get a bit a bit upset and, and not be interested. Um, and I'm not really worried about Myers or any of those young blokes because, you know, it's, again, it's their first final as well. So, Does anyone go to danger? Or do you tag anyone at all? I don't think we tag anyone, but Penelby did allude to the fact that he might uh, watch him around stoppages. So, But again, Dangerfield's uh, games come finals time. I had a stat thing on the couch uh, last night. He's one of the ones that actually doesn't perform as well in finals because he tries to do a bit too much. So, yeah, yeah he's definitely he's the game changer for both teams. But so is Jordan to go. But Jordan, if Jordan doesn't go in midfield much and he stays predominantly four, then we've got to hope he gets down there. But I'm you know, a bit biased, Collingwood, and, and and you know my thoughts on Geelong this year. So, yeah. um, you know, they're already already locked. Already Kelly's already been shift off for three first round picks and. They'll get Jack Stephen and uh, Higgins through the door, so that'll be right. Yeah, that will be right. There's a lot going on this, both for your own personal uh, affiliations and also for your own personal brand, because you went very hard at Geelong very early, and uh, I think there are a lot of Geelong listeners to this podcast who might be uh, slotting into your DMs if it is a nasty loss come Friday. Your tip, obviously, is Collingwood. And you know what? I've always said I'm always happy to... Get a cop it on the chin. I'll cop it on the chin and say, look, I was wrong, but, you know, I'm... Until it happens, and I'll anything's possible. Yeah, you know, Kane right. Corns is one of the most like he'll he'll have his opinion, and people whack him for it. Mm. But I'll tell you one thing: Kane Corns always does. So a stiff chin, he just cops it. He cops on the chin and admits when he's wrong. When he said that stuff about Brisbane at the start of the year, he played it on his own show and said, "Yep, I got this wrong. I stuffed up. Ring up and abuse me." And that's what you know, because he's happy to he's happy to happen. He's happy when he's wrong. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's his opinion. So, same with me for Geelong. I'm That's right. Wrong, so. <laughs> At Barrow Reynolds' Twitter account there, and you feel free to drop him a DM and abuse him if Geelong get it wrong. I'm tipping Collingwood for what it's worth. Uh, Betting-wise, I reckon each team 15 and a half could be in play here. Yeah, I reckon it'll be in a real yeah. nail-biter. And yeah. obviously, Collingwood at $2.10 is the better value for a close game. Saturday, 3.20pm, the GWS Giants are $2.05 outsiders. Versus the doggies, who are dollar seventy-seven, they'll be playing at Giant Stadium, which uh, we know can turn into Bulldog Stadium pretty quickly if uh, yep. history repeats itself. The line here three and a half. The over/under one sixty-two. Now everyone complains that the Giants don't have culture, but do they have memories? Oh, are that, they scarred? They have the prelims of past. Yeah, they have memories, and I reckon this is probably the best final 
apart from probably Brisbane and um, Richmond, I think that would be a good final game. But I reckon this would be the best final to watch over the weekend. Um, and I'm absolutely, I'm really shattered actually that the fact that, that my uh, under 19 final has been scheduled the time it is because this means I won't get to watch this game in its entirety and it could be a close one. But I can't believe that the Doggies are starting favourites. GWS are getting a lot of players back. Yeah, they got absolutely smashed the other week when they played the Doggies. The Doggies are on a great run at the moment, but I'm actually, and I know, there's actually heard a few people say this as well on the radio the last two days, which, you know, I'm shattered because I wanted to go with it first, but um, <laughs> I reckon the week off's hurt them. Yeah. Because they were, had a heap of momentum, they were flying, everything. It's a bit opposite to where they were at last time, where yeah. they, they had a lot of injuries, they were limping through, and they were, Still, like, just get the job done, but they got a lot of good players back for that first final um, in 2016. But I, I reckon, yeah, like, the, they're one of the best transition sides going around. They, they, one, they win the footy, they transition the ball really, really well. But I think the spine for the dogs worries me a bit. And I, I feel like going, you know, into their into their four line, you know, they're going to rely heavily on Norton and Bailey. Um... And in their back line, like, you know, they're very undersized again. And, you know, Trengrove might come back in or whatever. But, yeah, I think GWS have the forward potency to get to kick a score if they get enough supply. And I think the midfield battles will be where it's at. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I just reckon it's both teams will be absolutely cracking in. It's going to be physical. It's going to be hard. And it'll be interesting to see how they both pull up or whoever gets through how they pull up the week after. So... Yeah, like they're going to get Nick Hines, uh, Toby Green, Jacob Hopper, and maybe Brett Deledio back in. So, um, but yeah, and clinically obviously signing as well. Obviously, you know that was a whole. I reckon that was a bit, bit of a, a team statement. building. Yeah. Team, yeah, we're trying to build something here long term. Yeah, it's very interesting in terms of the the stats. The Giants, a bit like their season, are very good at some things and terrible at others. And as we said, unfortunately, most of it's to do with when they have the ball, when they don't have the ball. When they have the ball, they're one of the best teams in the competition. It's proven by their disposal rateage and their efficiency rateage. It's proven by their goal accuracy because their ability to turn something out of nothing is, is just second like second to none. Some of the best goal sneaks in the competition, especially with the likes of Toby Green coming back. You can just kick it from anywhere. Um, and they just love to win the ball. But it's the other end and it's second phase play. And that real grunt work stuff that they keep getting found out on. Well, but hopefully you would have thought in a final setting, they can surely the you know, the Bondi millionaires can, well, can G- make G- a front G- up and put in. GWS pretty much only score from stoppages. Mm. So if there's a way that the doggies can make sure that they break even from stoppages or make sure they win a stoppage count and, and not and reduce that influence that GWS have, that they might not be able to score. And we've seen mm. that this year when they haven't been able to score, it's because they've lost those stoppages, they've been beating around at the clearances and all that stuff. But they're, they're very, very high-ranking side from scoring from stoppages, and it's not sustainable, as we've seen all year. And even when Collingwood went through that mould earlier in the year and they had that bit of a rut, we were, it, was the only, it was the only source of our scoring as well. Yeah, was, you know, That's why we didn't win a few games, because we just weren't scoring enough from front half and that sort of thing. So that, that's something that probably the Western Bulldogs, I reckon, will be done a lot of work on over the last... Well, week and a bit and obviously they would take from when they beat them up there last time so but I, I, I'm still tipping in GWS just because they they just have a lot of talent they got their forge their forwards worry the matchups up forward for them compared to the doggies backs 
is worrying for me looking at it from a doggy point of view. And I just wonder where their goals are going to come from if Norton and Bailey don't kick goals. So, you know, they're going to rely heavily on their midfielders to kick goals, which, you know, they've been relying on all year. But whenever they've, they've had a win, most of the time it's at uh, Bailey and Norton kicking goals. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. I think the style doesn't really suit... Again, they obviously beat the Giants up there early in the season, but they aren't a great forward-half team in terms of effectiveness. They, they win the inside 50 count every week. They win it by about 7 to 10, depending on who they play. But they don't score a lot from them. They're hugely inefficient. They rely on defensive half turnover to, to go and create that slingshot forward. And then when they get it in forward, that doesn't turn into goals. And there's only so long you can do that in a finals game, especially against the quality of, of a GWS. So for mine, I think the Giants are the pick there as well. And at $2.05, like, how could you not? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I couldn't believe that uh, they're, they're not starting favourites. So, but you know, that's 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 what, what happens when it's only because they got done by so much. Uh, yeah, earlier in the season. Early, yeah. Earlier in the season, um, that yeah, it happens. But maybe you know, Bailey Dale does pop up again, and Aaron Norton does pop up again, and kicks a, you know, a few goals. That so, I, I don't know. We, I doubt it. I reckon. I'm pretty much pretty confident that GWS will win. It's probably out of the West Coast and GWS, they're my two, I reckon, locks for the weekend. To round out, Saturday night fever, 7.25, Brisbane again, $2.20 outsiders. How? What's the most home dogs you've seen in a funnels campaign? This is a bit silly. Yeah. Back-to-back outsiders. Richmond, $1.65 favourites. The Tiger Army's getting behind them, both in the membership stakes and the betting online bookies. The line here is only five and a half, the over under 161. Now, are Brisbane savagely underrated or is Richmond actually that good? Brisbane played a very, very poor, dumb first quarter against Richmond in that in the last round of the year, and it cost them, I reckon, because that was kind of the gap that stayed on them until they, they lost the game. The second and third quarter, they were, they were a lot better. They used the ball a lot better going forward, and they're just got to keep it on the deck, I reckon. Mm. I, I don't know what the, the temperature's going to be like, but I'm, I'm, it'll probably be sticky and humid, so it'll probably suit them a little bit more. Um, I don't think you guys have won up there for like 10 years or something, is it, at the Gabba? There's some silly set going around like that that you haven't won for so long at the Gabba. There's something about Brisbane haven't lost a final at home or something as well, so there's a few... Yeah, they also haven't played a final in like a decade, yeah, so... so I'm just saying, because there's a few no, Those things. things don't count. If you, you want to go on trends from this year, though, they're 9-2 at home this year, they're 8-2 at, in, at night time. Yeah. So that that sticky, humid, Gabba, Brisbane nighttime weather, especially in spring now, it's going to be extra sticky and humid and warm, really does suit their play-on, free-flowing style. So if, All I'm saying is they let... If they let blokes like Vlosten and um, that take intercept mark, eight or nine intercept marks like they did last time, yeah. they're no chance in hell in uh, winning this game. But if they can get it in there and bring it to the ground and, you know, then let their little small forwards, and they've got plenty of them that are pretty dangerous, that go to work. Like, a bit like West Coast did earlier in the... Um, sorry, in that game in the wet a couple of weeks ago. They had an influence early and then they got taken out of the game. But if, if they can get it in, bring it to ground, and Brisbane's small forwards can get that pressure going, and especially Charlie Cameron, McCarthy, and Rayner and stuff like that. I reckon Rayner had a pretty good game, actually, uh, yeah. last time against Richmond. And 
you know, Mitch Robertson, a few of those blokes, they'll be a bit more settled after that game, I reckon, because they haven't played, obviously, in that big crowd and that much atmosphere, that much pressure. And I reckon, yeah, Hodgie's been talking the talk a bit this week as well. I, I just reckon Brisbane are a really good shout here. And I, to me, I reckon it'll be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I think so too, especially up at the Gabba where it's been high-scoring all year. It'll be interesting to see where this game is won in terms of the clearances because Brisbane are the you know the, the premier clearance team in the comp. They average 49 points in clearance. We've just said that's unsustainable though, especially when uh, Richmond are now equal second in centre-bounds clearances. They've been winning them by 11 in the last month includes a game against the Lions. I think the number one thing here for now is that Richmond bring the pressure. They they barely lose. And so they've applied a post-clearance pressure factor of 179, which is 10% more than any other team in the AFL. So if they bring that, it's going to be pretty hard for anyone to beat them. Dusty Martin also is pretty good in the finals. He uh, generally steps up and... Definitely loves to step up. Loves to step up, loves finals footy. Uh, and obviously Cochran probably feel a bit better we'll go through the midfield a bit more mm-hmm. which will help out do you does, now does Nank come in well I think so I it, think it's it it's going to be good Nank in and Soto he was very good in the second half in the uh, VFL on the weekend yeah uh, and then you know they, they asked uh, uh, Hardwick about Marlon Pickett last night on 360 and he said no, he pretty much said no that he's going to play next year. But I'll tell you what, after watching Marlon Peter do some things on the weekend as well, he's, he's, he's a scary proposition. And just But it's a step up in fact. Oh, no, I mean, no. you, you can't base it off, you know, beating an Essendon's go back, team. Go back to the mid-season draft and the pod we did then. Yeah. I, I, I talked about how good Marlon Pickett was, even though he was injured and they were looking for him to be playing next year. He is absolutely elite. And that mark he took running back with the flight was unbelievable. And that was one of the that was one of the best VFL games, or probably the best VFL game I've seen. The fact that you came from forty points down, and Essendon lost another final was magnificent. Um, and a few of the players that are in line to play this week actually played as well. Like Chol played and Nank played, and a few others. So it was interesting to see that they got back, they got thrown back to play in, in such a, in such a big game for Richmond in the VFL to have a bit of a taste of what mm, uh, finals are about. Um, and obviously the Brisbane Lions and Neffel teams flying so. They're going to have players playing finals in the Neefal as well. Uh, I, I reckon Nank comes back in, but he hasn't played AFL footy for a while. He's up against Stephen Martin. Stephen Martin, he's a very... Number three, Morocco in the competition. Oh, he's a gun. The, the midfield battles will be really, really interesting. Obviously, Lockie Neal had 50-odd touches last time. And people say it was you know in, insignificant. Don't tag him, don't tag him. But I tell you what, if you let him have 50 touches up there, he'll tear you apart. Uh, there's a few other players that are a bit down, but I reckon they'll lift for this. I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to Mitch Robertson playing in a final and absolutely burying someone at some point. He's going to come off the line and just spear tackle, lay a big hit. I can see Hodgie doing something similar just to get the boys up and fo- yeah. up and going. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this game. All the finals, I reckon, this year in the first week, it look, apart from probably West Coast Essendon, exciting in their open games. They can go either way. It's going to be, you know... Different but similar sort of styles of pressure. I just love finals footy. There's yeah. nothing better. And this is going to be another good game. So I'm hoping that um, our game gets done and we have a good win and I can walk off and walk back across the pub and watch this. So, um, but I'm Who tip- you got to I'm, I'm, I'm tipping Brisbane. I reckon Brisbane win this, but Rich- Richmond still make the granny. Wow. Okay. That's an interesting road well, to go then. Because then they, have, they still have three home games, Richmond. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they, pre- they have the preliminary... Oh, sorry, the next elimination final. And they either play Geelong or 
Collingwood in the prelim on the other side of the draw. Yeah, so, so it's going to be, it's gonna be the, it's next two games with the MCG. Yeah. But if they lose this, they've still got two... Well, they'll get three more games in the MCG. Yeah. But if they win this, I mean, they get a week off and play MCG anyway. But I just have a feeling that Brisbane might get the job done here. And it will make a very, very interesting prelim final week when you got, you know, probably Collingwood, Richmond one prelim, which same as last year. And then you'll have um, Brisbane and probably West Coast at the other end. So... Yeah. Very, very exciting indeed. I am going to stick with the Tigers because why not? They can go up there, they can get the job done and take the weekend off and cruise into the funnels. And then that way, that's the dream scenario because we're pretty confident that Collins going to get the job done on the Cats. They stay one side of the draw, Richmond stays the other. They both get home funnels. That's two prelims at the MCG in a week. That's delightful. And then obviously, best case scenario, they play each other and we have our first Battle of the Balls. Grand final edition. I tell you what, that 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 have to they would dead set the MCG would not survive. <laughs> They'd have to rebuild it after that. I reckon seriously, like there's like nearly ninety thousand members at Richmond or eighty thousand. No, one hundred and ten this year. There's ninety odd at Collingwood. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's some tickets. Hey, better go. You better do the hot tip now. You better be rebuilding that website because it's uh. Prone to crash pretty easily, and that thing will explode. And there's there's some Fedek and Ferrells out there from both teams. Oh, Fedek and Uh And yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, aftermath of what happens. Oh, the lead up, all of it. Craziness. Oh. Absolute craziness. But that's a long way away. Double your money and make a stack. Favourite segment, Money Making Time, our feature bets for week one of the 2019 AFL Finals. And Baz, hit me with your best bet for week one. I just reckon best bet, hands down, is West Coast at a line of $28.90. Uh, and my other best bet would be JWS head-to-head at $2.05. And then I'm just going to do a multi, this little roughy, JWS into Collingwood, into Brisbane, into West Coast plus 40 is 23.67. And that's my little finals, little weekend punt. There we go. That's a delicious, rough thing there. The only other thing I'd add into that, if you wanted to, uh, would be Dom Sheed at 30-plus disposals, paying $2.63. Otherwise, a 23-bucker as a rough in week one's a great thing to enjoy down at the Yorkshire Hotel. If it does get up, it's basically a free feed. And if it doesn't, you had one of the best palmies this side of the Yarra. Good luck to your pie boys, because you're not playing us this week. Good yep. luck to the Tiggers. Good luck to your team if they're playing funnels. And if they're not, uh, tune in. We've got our end-of-season report cards coming out this week as well. So for all those teams that didn't make finals, we'll tell you where you went wrong, how you can improve, and what's in store for next year.